This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Danielle Downey. She's a best-selling author, motivational speaker, and coach. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, really good to be here. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to the 2019 you? So um, I'm 45. Um, I was born in the UK. um, And I was born into real poverty. Um, My family didn't have very much money. And as a young child, I experienced a household that was absolutely filled with violence and abuse and neglect. And I grew up thinking that that was the way that that most families functioned. Because of that hardship, I learned very early on to, to be resilient and that stuff came to me when I got on and found it myself, really. So at the age of eight, Um, My father had half laid a carpet in my bedroom and when I was about eight I had I was so fed up with the carpet being half laid that I took it upon myself to find the sharpest knife in the shed that I could it was a Stanley knife and I found some carpet tacks and a saucepan and I laid a carpet and I remember really early on knowing then that anything I wanted to do I could probably do Um, even if I didn't have the expertise to do it. And from that moment on, it became kind of my defining moment. It became the time for me when I realized that that I was a bit more powerful than I was being told in my abusive household. Fast forward a few years, I left school with a good education. Um, I had suffered some sexual violence as a child, but I didn't ever really, I didn't ever really sort of acknowledge it as a child, as lots and lots of survivors don't, they tend to put it to the back of their mind and just get on with life. Um, I trained to be a midwife. Um, I'd always been into the caring profession. And for me, it was I really enjoyed my job, but it didn't ever quite fill me with the joy that I'd really hoped, although I did do it for 19 years. And I think there's a great rhetoric there about how we can get stuck in habits, just doing the same thing day in, day out. And before we know it, 20 years have elapsed. Um, I've got six children and eventually around about 2011 I was looking for a career change. I was earning good money in our health service but I didn't have very much time at all. So I was looking for a way to do a job that gave me a bit more a bit more sort of satisfaction and I came across a job in a women's refuge. Um, My job in the women's refuge was a charity work job And I went from earning £38 an hour, um, English pounds, down to £6.72 an hour. But what I got was a lot more job satisfaction. So at that point in time, I was able to sort of get a real, my teeth into something that really made me passionate. Um, And I did that for four or five years. And while I was working in that um, in that area, I was empowering women. I was doing a lot of work with our police force and doing some campaigning about sexual violence and domestic abuse. I started to come up with the idea of writing a book because, like lots of like lots of victims or survivors of um, sexual violence, I'd started to get some flashbacks, um, and I'd sought myself some counselling. 
and I would I'd always refused to allow my past to define the sort of person that I was going to become um, and I think that goes back to my very early sort of foundings of not wanting the situation that I was in to define who I was back then and I've carried that all the way through um, so I came up with this cracking idea of writing a book but didn't really know how to write a book didn't know where to start was petrified about getting a publisher or an agent because I was petrified of them saying that I was rubbish and I couldn't write but what I really did know was that I had a story that was probably worth telling um, because despite an awful lot of sexual violence and neglect and a lot of toxicity from family, um, a lot of financial issues and some mental health problems, I was still standing, um, I was still functioning, I was a mum of six um, and relatively sane in a fairly good place. Um, and a friend of mine, when I was telling her one day, she said, oh, tell me a bit about yourself. Um, and I sat, and two hours later, she sat crying with me as we sort of discussed my past. And she said to me, you have to write this down. And because I had shared with somebody that I really trusted my most intimate sort of details, I came home and that day I started to write and I wrote a thousand words on my Mac that day. Um, and six months later, I finished a book that I then self-published and it went straight to number one bestseller. It's called It's No Secret, Thriving After Surviving. And that has led me on the most extraordinary journey for the last seven months. I've become a bit of a beacon for survivors or victims of sexual violence. I always felt very isolated as somebody who had experienced what I'd experienced. I always felt like I was the only person ever that it happened to, but I now know that one in six children are sexually abused and one in three, one in four women experience domestic abuse. So I know there's lots of us out there and obviously about one in 12 men experience violence as well. So what I wanted to become was, was a light for other people to sort of say, actually, do you know what, we can all join together. So on the back of that, I started a group called Speak Out Sisterhood. More often than not, victims or survivors of sexual violence and domestic abuse find it very difficult to acknowledge to themselves their history, their story. Um, and for me, the most important time is when we're starting to acknowledge what's gone on with us ourselves. So the group is called Speak Out Sisterhood because sometimes it's not about standing on your soapbox like I do, being very vocal about our past. Sometimes it's about looking in the mirror and acknowledging our situation or our past in order to move through it and actually not let it define us. Um, so on the back of my book, something that was quite painful to write, something amazing has come out of that. Um, I now do lots of campaigning work and I've just written another chapter in a book called Bollocks to That, I Choose to Shine, um, which again went straight to a number one bestseller on Amazon. Um, and that's 30 stories of people who have overcome the most um, incredible adversities. Um, and it's a really inspiring read. Um, so my life over the last 10 years has taken on a really extraordinary shape. Um, I'm doing some speaking work. I do quite a lot of campaigning. I've done some work with the Survivors Trust who also help um, victims and survivors of sexual violence. Um, and I'm just really interested now to see where my life sort of is gonna take me. I'm very open-minded about where, where my life is gonna end up um, and you know the sorts of things that I will end up doing. But I know now that I feel like I'm absolutely on purpose and um, you know, and, and fulfilling my path. And this is where I'm meant to be despite all the rubbish that's happened in the past. So that's me, 2019. No, that's great. And I think it's important to be a uh, beacon and share your story because oftentimes people think, you know, their story may not be as important or anything like that. 
But regardless of whatever anyone's experience, it's really important to share. Me and my wife are actually foster parents and we get children basically, you know, coming from abusive and, you know, neglectful situations. Um, we actually had a placement a month ago today get taken and reunified with their, a month ago today got taken and reunified with their mom. They were with us for a year. We thought we were going to adopt them, but there's a lot of stuff in terms of neglect and things of that nature that you have to go through, especially with children to help them deal with it because a lot of the stuff they act out or cope in terms of, you know, we've had infants and toddlers and it already affects them at that age. Of course, absolutely. And they, they, you know, they know that the stuff that children experience before the age of seven can often have such a profound effect on them in later life. And I don't know whether you're familiar with something called ACE trauma. Um, ACE traumas are, there's a list of 10 that if they happen to children in childhood, they're a huge predictor into mental health as adults and risk of suicide and also physical ailments. Um, and the risk, the, the generally, it's ideal to have not any more than two. Um, I, I know lots of people, you know, that have had sort of two to four and, and I myself had eight out of those lists. So I think that, though, and I, I suffer from some health issues and like I say, I've had some mental health issues. So the stuff that goes on with us as children is so, so important as a predictor to where we could end up, not always will end up, but obviously, you know, could end up. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And I think that's kind of the developmental years. And if you throw, you know, a wrench in terms of some kind of traumatic experience, it throws off the whole development of the child and they have to cope with that or have someone to help them through that to be as normal as possible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what motivates you to succeed? I think that's changed. Um, 10, 15 years ago, when um, my life was my life was quite crazy. I had lots of children under under the age of eight. I had six children under the, the age of eight, and we didn't have very much money. Finances back then were really important just to be able to feed my kids and put petrol in my car, um, gas as you call it in the States. Now my purpose has, has changed. What motivates me now is being able to help other people. When I get somebody that comes back to me quite often random and emails me or messages me by my website or by Facebook and says, actually, your book has really helped me. Your story has helped me to, I don't know, acknowledge my past or realize that I'm not broken or that actually, you know, I am okay. That motivates me hugely. And so for me now, it's about leaving a legacy those sort of footprints in the sand about what can I do to help the next generation and what can I do to help others. And that, that's my motivation now. Um, it's, it's not about, you know, the finances and, and stuff like that. It's, it's about having a higher purpose. I agree. And I think obviously it's important to have a wage and supporting yourself. But oftentimes if you get to a point in your life and you're not necessarily a lot of people, you know, chase money throughout their lives, but they get to kind of, um, you know, a roadblock and a decision to make if they want to keep doing that or they want to leave something and give back. And I think with this podcast and with other things I've been doing in terms of pro bono stuff, I want to more so, you know, impact lives and, you know, fostering kids and stuff like that, leave something behind and, and benefit generations after me. Yeah, and I think lots and lots of us are like that. I'm not saying that you know money isn't important. I, I, it's, it's nice to be able to go on holiday and make memories with my kids and not have to worry if something you know breaks down in my house. However, it's not my driving factor now. Um, it, it's a, it's about like I say, you know, sort of leaving that little piece of me that enables somebody else to realise that 
that you know that they actually can carry on um i had one lady message me and she said i was on the verge of suicide and and i read your book and read your story and i realized now that i can carry on and that's just knowing that that i'd had a tiny impact just by writing my book um in her life is that gives me great joy it makes my soul sing um, and we've now become really good friends you know she's in a much better place so it isn't it isn't about the money for me now it's about sort of you know helping others to to move on yeah and, and like you said money isn't bad like you know if you want to focus on it obviously it's nice to have money to um, support endeavors and you know enjoy time with the family but it's just kind of a, a repositioning of focus so you can still you know make money but focus on giving back or legacy it's trumps that yeah I, I was led to believe because we grew up with such hardship Roman that money was having money was a really bad thing and I don't believe I don't believe that having money now is bad um, I'm fortunate you know we, we have enough you know we, we, we have a sufficiency that allows us to have a really nice lifestyle um, you know we, we're not living like we were 15 years ago with no money at all and in debt and if people want to chase money, then absolutely all credit to them. You know, I'm not saying that wealth is, wealth is a bad thing at all. It's it's just not where my focus lies. Um, you know, I think it's everybody's everybody sort of does what what suits them and and um, you know moves forward with their life um, in in their own kind of way. I agree. So, what's one thing that you've struggled with in the past in terms of weakness or something that you've in in terms of done or had trouble with that you've harnessed and turned it into a strength? Um, I was, I've always been very, very self-critical um, and my self-criticalness, self if that's such a word, um, really got in my way for a long time. It would, my worry about not being good enough and not being, not just not being worthy of success and having other people tell me that I wasn't good enough, for instance, to write a book. Um, it stopped me in my tracks as a child. I was always desperate to perform on the stage. Um, and I love musical theatre, I love singing and dancing. And that was something that was never particularly pushed because as a kid, I was often told to shut up. Um, so I took that on board that because I was being told to shut up that actually I couldn't sing, which actually isn't true. I know now that, you know, actually I can sing. I've got a really nice voice. Um, so that started quite early on for me and those little tiny grains of self-doubt and self-criticism were there from a very early age. And, and I'd say really until the last year um, that I finally allowed myself to stop being quite so hard on me. Um, I'm much better at self-care. I'm much better at saying, actually, I'm tired, I'm having a sleep, or today I'm having a self-care day and I'm just gonna walk my dog and read my book and just chill. Um, and that's enabled me to actually bounce back the following day and achieve so much more rather than constantly being exhausted. Um, and I'm much more open now to realizing that I, I'm quite good at stuff. And if I put my mind to something, I might fail a few times and failure obviously is part of becoming successful or learning um, and that that's okay. So I've, I've turned that self-criticism around to a tenacity um, and a refusal to give up. I now have the ability just to say, I'm just going to get on with it. Um, I'm not somebody who will often go and sort of seek advice. Today I've torn out a bathroom suite that I didn't really know what to do. But by the end of the day, it's come out and I've removed tiles and all sorts. Yet at the beginning of the day, my self-doubt was like, oh, should I just leave it for my husband? I said, no, I can do it. It's fine. And I think that's my, my children take on that. And I love seeing them 
being really willing to have a go without the worry that I used to have of, oh, can I do it? Am I okay to try? Whereas now I just get on and do it. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of the primary barrier to doing anything, basically the struggle with yourself. It's at the end of the day, it's you versus you. So you have to be happy with yourself and satisfied and have a positive opinion in terms of you can do something and have the strength to take that first step because after you do it, it is scary. You do fail at times and you learn from that, but you'll never know if you just, you know, stay stagnant. Absolutely. And that's what stopped me for all those years writing my book. It was the worry that actually I knew I could put words down on paper, but I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know the physicality of writing a book or how to get an agent or how to self-publish. And all of those seemingly quite silly barriers were what stopped me in my tracks for so long. I probably would have written a book about four or five years beforehand. Um, yet once I started writing, it was almost like the universe gave me the answers that I needed. It worked with me then to, to help me decide whether or not to go for an agent or to self-publish. Um, and I, I then sort of came across people that said, oh, actually, you know, I, I help people self-publish. And the answers came to me purely by virtue of the fact that I had started on a quest to write my book. So my advice to other people is always just get on and have a go, even if you're not sure of how to do something, because the answers will, will strangely come upon you. No, I agree. And I think that's, that's important because even with this podcast, I started it a year and a half ago, but I was thinking about it in like 2013. So I eventually kind of, you know, took that step. I had nothing to really lose. It's more so a passion project, giving people the platform to share their stories and their motivation and journeys. And when I did, I mean, I enjoy it. The people Get to share their stories we make a connection and it adds value to the listeners as well so if i had to choose obviously there's things holding me back before like is it going to be good enough can i edit the audio myself how much work is you know on the back end involved but finally did it and learned as i went along so that holds true to anything that you want to do in life yeah absolutely and i tell my children that now that we don't always when we start something we don't always know the answer of how we're gonna sort of perhaps do it um but often when we just have a go the biggest the biggest journey over that is actually the learning of how to do something and then you know by try i i work best by trial and error um you know the actual i've, I've tried sort of editing um a podcast for a friend and i was it took me hours and hours yet if i come to do it again it i would be so much quicker <laughs> because because of that learning journey journey and i'm you know i'm sure you found the same thing the more we do something the easier it gets and you know the more shortcuts we can learn to take because um because we get better yeah i agree i mean it has gotten a lot easier a lot um <laughs> streamlined and I'm a lot more knowledgeable ask you know and answering people's questions online and you know going on other podcasts and sharing my expertise and my story as well so it's definitely holds true yeah absolutely so what's one thing you can leave with the audience in terms of advice professional or personal um it would be to never let your past define your future um, when people say to me, oh, you've suffered sexual abuse as a child and you've had a really tough time as an adult, um, shouldn't you be more broken? Um, I, my rhetoric to that is no, I choose not to be broken. I'm not saying that it hasn't forged some aspects of my personality. I am an, an absolute advocate that our past doesn't have to influence our future, that we can have a choice. Um, we can 
from today decide actually enough's enough I, I want to make changes I want to I don't know I want to work on myself I you know I want to be more positive I want to work on my anxiety I want to lose weight and become more healthy um, whatever it is we can choose whatever went yesterday has gone and I'm very very much for living in the now that actually the moment I'm in now the way I feel at this moment is is okay that might be anger it might be sadness and in the next moment I can choose also how I feel um, and a lot of that comes down from that decision to say actually my past is my past um, I'm, I'm in the now and it my past hasn't shaped well it's not defining where I've um, where I'm going to um, and that you are never broken if there's anybody sort of listening who has been through adversity and trauma and is a survivor of domestic abuse or sexual violence your past is your past um, we can't change it but what we can do is decide that that we are we've come this far um, and that we are you know we're actually going to sort of make our future far brighter um, and that that was always what my intention was going to be that you know my children were going to grow up and have a have a happy life um, and that I was too. Yeah I agree and I think in any moment of time you have a thousand choices to make regardless like you said of your past or anything that's happened it's a current present day choice that you're consciously making regardless of what happened to you so if someone went through something traumatic they can be depressed about it yes um still feel a certain way about it which i don't think that ever goes away but taking that negative thing and harnessing it into something positive and overcoming it and achieving your goals i think it's kind of the ultimate success or the ultimate you know moving forward event Absolutely. Um, so, which is why I do such a lot of work now speaking out, you know, for survivors because it's it's a real passion of mine. When I see a lot of women who are just at the start of their journey, perhaps where I was six, seven years ago, um, I, I want them to be able to look at me and say, actually, do you know what? If you can do that, so can I. Um, and that, you know, that can be true of anything, whether, you know, whether you've been made redundant or have financial problems. Time passes anyway. Those moments tick by every single day. And before we know it, a year's up and then two years and we can move ourselves forward. Um, and as long as, you know, we're not going backwards, we're either sort of stood still looking in the looking where we want to go or we're moving little tiny baby steps. Those those little tiny things to move us forwards will always have a always have an effect. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of like my upbringing, my father would be physically abusive to my mom when me and my brother were little. So I saw that and, you know, I had a choice, you know, I could let that affect me and follow that cycle or I made a conscious effort and choice. You know, I get married or have kids or am the guardian of kids. I would change that cycle and act a totally different way and, you know, show that that doesn't define me and how people can be in a good way in terms of who they are. Yeah, yeah, and, and that we, you know, we, we always have the power to make a choice um, about, you know, how we want to be as a parent, you know, how we want to be as a friend, a lover, a human, you know, whatever it is. I, I just believe that we that we have far more choice than sometimes we are. We are led to believe, or perhaps that our past has told us that we have. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's it's thinking for yourself, and like you said, it's it's up to you living in the present day. And there's some you know societal norms and things around you, and people telling you things, but ultimately, it, it's you versus you at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. For for me, one of the biggest things was realizing that some of the people closest to me were not those people who were serving me particularly, um, and and a lot of those were family. 
Um, and that, that can be very, very difficult. If you've come from, you've either got a group of friends that are fairly toxic or family that can be quite toxic, making a decision to do I stay or do I go, um, it can be really difficult. And I know that quite often it's the people that you hang around with, friends or family or both, that can constrain us and stop us from moving forward and almost keep us shackled. Um, and that, that can be so difficult for people to make a decision about seeming to be dis, um, you know, see, seeming to not not want to fit in with the crowd. For me, it's been one of the best things that, that's happened to me is making myself actually, I don't have to be shackled by people that perhaps were not serving me for whatever reason. Um, and I find that that has gone a long way with friends as well now, that my life has moved on having got rid of some quite toxic friendships. And we still perhaps speak, but I just limit the amount of time with those people. Um, and that my life has moved on delightfully and that's opened doors for other beautiful friendships. It's kind of uh, changing your circle around and making it something that uplifts you. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to just, you know, shun those people or just totally remove them from your life if the situation allows it. But limiting your contact with them and communicating on a more infrequent basis could add to where you're going and add to bringing more positivity when you're removing that toxic element from your life. Yeah, and knowing that sometimes friendships and a lot of the things that we do as humans are habits. You know, I believe that we are massively habit driven, whether it's the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with, the food we eat, the money we spend. And I've been working really hard the last year to break habits that don't serve me. But of course, it's very difficult to break habits that you've been doing for maybe 40 years. Um, and I'm starting to see the, the fruit of, of my labor with breaking some of those habits and actually asking myself, I have a choice. You know, do I do I want to eat fruit today or do I want to eat chocolate and candy? Um, you know, what, what's going to serve me better today? And some days I do decide to eat chocolate and candy, but most of the days I decide to eat much more healthily. So I, I'm much fitter, I'm much healthier. Um, I'm no longer sat in old habits that don't serve me. Yeah, and obviously it's hard breaking something that you've done in repetition for days, weeks, months, or or years and getting out of that cycle and uh, harnessing a, a more positive direction. That's often tough, but it is doable. Yeah, absolutely. Anything is possible. I remember hearing um, maybe Will Smith say that, you know, anything is possible. You know, we just have to we just have to believe that anything is possible. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a website, it's danielledowney.co.uk. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, Downey D-O-W-N-E-Y. Um, I'm on Twitter at CrazyKids48, and you can find me on Facebook under Danielle Downey as well and i'd be delighted to um to obviously hear from any of the listeners awesome thanks again for stopping by thank you so much for your time roman have a great afternoon this podcast has been brought to you by nova zora digital find out how nora zora digital can help your company grow online learn more at novazoradigital.com until next time all you digital savages